Hi, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Cathode Ray Podcast. My name is Louis Zezeran. We talk about TVs. We talk about old technology. We talk about retro tech. And I'm joined by my good friend, Steve Nutter. How you doing, mate? Hey, Louis. I'm doing great, man. Good to see you. Yeah, we talk about all that stuff and then our... Uh escapades growing up and how all this stuff <laughs> relates back to us and how we connect with the our nostalgia funny bone <laughs> it is you know, so it's somewhat tv stuff. somewhat old stuff somewhat our old thoughts so this week uh first of all this week it's uh well we're, we're almost ukrainian colors not to get to we got the orange and blue there <laughs> i was laughing thinking we were more like uh Bron uh, here you have like the denver broncos or something okay. But Bravo, yeah, Broncos. we're orange and blue right now. <laughs> I didn't coordinate that. Actually, I used to have a really cool wet, yellow hoodie that was my favorite from uh, Game of Thrones. And it, I got mm -hmm. it like the first season Game of Thrones, the show came out. My uh, One of my family members gave it for Christmas and it was bright yellow and it had a big uh, stag or... Uh, uh, antler you know oh, yeah, uh, sure. deer on it and mm -hmm. <laughs> and i just had that on it and then all these i mean it was hilarious i'd go places and people were like oh yeah game of thrones ah, they'd see you and they'd start doing this that was when it was really cool like the first couple seasons mm. but i would work in it all the time and i mean if you go back to my earliest videos i bet you'll see it because i used to wear it in videos but it like it, i mean it was like had no it was holes all the way through here through here it looked like i'd rolled around in mud and it was like just covered in rosin splashes from soldering and stuff i'd just always wear it but yeah if i had that we'd have been right on the color scheme right on so uh yeah for me this week i've been doing a lot of podcasts the, the main thing i just did is yesterday so by the time you listen to this on monday a few days later later in the week i'm going to be dropping a second podcast it's just me and i was talking with uh, bob from retro rgb and i wanted to sit down and talk with bob about um, I want to get further into the middle of what does what does what does Bob do right now? Like what happens behind the scenes, behind the curtain? So we talk about what is a regular day, a regular week for Bob. What are the things that he's doing? We contrast that to what he was doing, say, two years ago or so uh, before the move. You know how things have grown, how he's expanded, how there's more people working on it, how that means his work has changed. And then in the third part, we get into what's the future? Where does it go? What is his vision? What vision is Bob taking retro RGB towards? So maybe a little bit of State of the Union address or something like that, not to get too uh, grandiose <laughs> about it. Um, and that one's coming out later in the week. And I think it's going to be very interesting for everyone to, to hear just, to, just Bob explain what goes on a little bit more. Looking forward to it. Yeah, oh yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. It's always great to get to hear you and Bob and not have to have me involved in it. That's fun. I get to listen to it as a spectator instead and enjoy it. But also, um, yeah, I think that it's also cool that you're going to get to go and be the one to kind of pick this information from Bob as opposed to him always being the one, you know, yeah, normally picking the information from everyone else. So now, you know, you get to kind of turn the tables a little bit on him and um, get to see what's like you said going on behind the curtain and uh, you know within the community and it's all really good stuff from what I can hear so I'm excited yeah, it's going to hear good. more. So I'm happy with that so that's sort of been my week as well as just sort of random stuff that I'm doing here for the comedy production company behind the scenes so not so much retro uh, this week. Um, oh I guess the only other thing before we get into your thing was that if you follow my Twitter you see that I, I bought a junk uh, Xbox 360 steering wheel 
uh, from my local marketplace. 20 bucks delivered. Actually, it's right here. Wait on. <laughs> yeah, I saw this thing uh, that you posted about it. Oh, yeah, the Ferrari. What is it, Ferrari? Yeah, that's the Ferrari. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. So, and the the issue was that when they pl- they said they and they admitted they only plugged it into a computer. And when you went all the way to one side, then the controller disconnect actually disconnected. When I plugged it into a 360, you could see it said yeah. disconnect. And then I pressed the button, and it would instantly reconnect. And uh, especially you know if you did something like this, it would fuck up and and have that reconnection. And basically, uh, all well, all I needed to do was I dismantled it. Um, I took this case off. Now I thought about it. I should have taken this off and I could show you because it's very simplistic what happens on the inside. It's basically just one small circuit board, a couple of wires, the buttons. And I basically just had to dismantle half of it, I would say, and then put it back together again. And that fixed it. So I think it was just a pinch somewhere or somehow the cable had got too tight. When you you went to the lock, it was maybe Mm -hmm. getting too tight or something. What year was that made? Do you know? Does Good it have a question. I'm not sure. It's because the- I was extremely surprised, kind of, when you opened it up and the, um, like, the design of it. I bet they. I mean, try and I bet they paid kind of more. Don't you think that the, like the most expensive thing on that steering wheel is probably licensing rights to Ferrari? Definitely, <laughs> it's cheap Loco. on the inside. Yeah, like, uh, I was surprised so how cheap it is here. Oh god! This yeah. is, okay, this is not going to work. As I was going to say, yeah, I'll just no, live on stream. <laughs> but um, extre- like the the um, this steering, this it's not force feedback, but this steering mechanism that brings it back to center is just a rubber strap. Like it's nothing special. <laughs> it's just like the tie down strap you yeah. use on your trailer or something. It's yeah. just a version of that that brings it back to center. And um, man, I bet you get some of those are like really worn. They're like, yeah. they're like never go back to center. So it, yeah. it cleaned up real nice. Uh, it was yeah, just it clearly a wire that was being pulled a bit too far, and um, and also I can see. I mean, this is this has been opened multiple times before. You see the labeling's kind of all screwed up there. It's missing screws through there. I could see, and mm-hmm. I remember I showed you a picture of some pretty dodgy soldering on the inside. Someone's had a go at soldering it. So I don't know if I was the magician who managed to magically fix this thing or or what, but. Uh, look, I, I can't say I did anything in particular. I loosened a whole bunch of wires and just sort of gently <laughs> pulled at them to make sure they were loose and weren't taut and stuff like that. And uh, it came back to life. So I'm very happy for 20 bucks. I've spent, I probably spent six hours on Sunday playing this thing. Super fun. What did you, what did you play with it? Or what did you play uh, on? Forza, the, X, yeah. Xbox 360. So I was playing Forza nice. 4 and Forza Horizon 2. Really yeah. fun. Um changes the game to play it with pedals to play it with a a a decent wheel like wow yeah 20 bucks you can't beat that i've always wanted to get something like that and it's never usually it's uh i found the the closest thing i found would be like a portion like it'd be like something that had Mm. three or four pieces and it'd be like oh here's one piece and you're like that's like no thanks but Yeah. yeah that's really a great find for 20 bucks and to be able just to be able to take it apart and fix it you know, so it's funny, there's a, um, there's actually, the if, if people have problems with the Sony BVM, uh, one of the first things I've learned and always tell people to do is to just pull out, you ter- turn, turn the monitor off, if it's mm-hmm. acting funny, it won't turn on. First thing to do is turn the monitor off and pull out all the old cards and then put them right back in and it's just like 
dust and debris gets in there and, and causes the connections at some point to not remain connected and uh, have interference that prevents something from working, just like kind of like what you're doing. And I've had, I mean, half the time people will just go and be like, oh, that worked. It works perfectly now. And it's literally just reseeding cards, like a mm. Nintendo cartridge. You know? Right. Yeah. The equivalent of. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's a so fun project. Took a chance so, and just playing the long game and waiting for that. I wanted a wheel for so long that I didn't want to pay the two hundred. Yeah, that's or, still or on my like list. That. So you good, good score uh, there. Just keep uh, I got going. something. Yeah, got what do you mean? Stuff on? from I actually did get some cool stuff from the. Uh, I've been thrifting a lot more, you know, yeah. and it's and it's morphed into this different thing. Where again, I'm not finding much on video games, but I am finding some other strange stuff that you wouldn't uh, probably be looking for yet. But Anyway, there was a ton of NEC LCD monitors turned in at okay. one of the Goodwills. So I picked up a 19-inch, the nicest one I could find there. That's a 4x3. Uh, yeah, 4x3. Uh, yep. But it's on a generic stand. And so I bought it for double reasons. I was like, I can get the the monitor, and if I want to, I can use the stand. It'll work on that old crappy Sony LCD oh, yeah, 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 yeah. PVM. So I could use it, and it was four ninety nine, five dollars oh. for it. So I bought it. Came with a power cable. Can't beat that. <laughs> it's actually got um, a DVI input on it. It doesn't have. It has VGA and DVI, and that's it. So I could probably get HDMI into it even easily. Either way, there. But that's not too bad. My um, my LCD here only has uh, DisplayPort and VGA. It's, I mean, yeah. worst comes to worst, you just use the HDMI to VGA adapter, send in the right resolution, right. and but well, and I thought being. you know this. I'm just getting gearing up more stuff to. I've got my time sleuth in, but I haven't programmed it, so I'm getting all that stuff ready to have a cool. Uh, Where did you a get the bunch time of cool time sleuth stuff? Oh man, I got the very last one I think from Video Game Perfection in uh, in Europe. I'm not sure what country, uh, but they had like two left on their website, and I ordered it. And then it, I don't know if somebody ordered the next one right after me, uh, but I got that, and I got the USB blaster in, and it's just sitting in my um, like I have a, a barrel of or a, a crate of mail that comes in that I just throw in there for a while for projects. Ooh. But yeah, I've got that. So I've got a couple of you know the Dell LCDs that I've gotten, and then I'm I've got a. I've got some stuff coming for that, and that's not, uh, you're not even intending to get into that. Uh, but Actually, speaking of the, the time sleuth real fast, Bob, mm -hmm. I, I don't think I'm talking out of school here too far, but Bob mentioned to me that he's, I won't give too much away, that he's working on a special project, and it involves a time sleuth that has a variable uh, frame rate. So right now the time sleuth comes out at 60 frames a second, right? And that's cool, but what about you know testing at 1080 30 what about testing at 1080 to something else right so that yes. there have been some uh, he's been working with the creators of the time sleuth to come up with some new Ooh. versions of the firmware so i know bob's oh, got wow. some cool stuff cooking on that one and i'm really looking forward very interested in that data about how that affects oh things. yeah and i know that like i think that will be incredibly awesome and that's what i i really want to do is do that but not only that i've bought three you know uh pretty recently i mean three lcd monitors that are nice monitors there's no reason to just not you know actually do these kind of tests with this mm. hardware and publish that somewhere just to have in case somebody you know wants to know what the actual like you know you could read the label and it can claim something on these but it would be nice to take actual piece of hardware that you know like the manufacturer is not expecting you to have that to be able mm. to test their equipment because they're just not looking at 
uh, they don't know about the time sleuth i'm sure so um that's really uh, i think that that's exciting um but yeah those are coming impossible to get right now is a time okay, sleuth. you got they said you got the last one right well yeah i mean the last one or two was mine and mm. um because other people reached out to me after that because i had put I, I mean that was i looked all over america and everything's on back order and the video game perfection had two on there huh. um and that was it and uh so anyway, the LCD monitors, I uh, got this really cool thing for $2 to go with all my cassette tapes. It's this Oh yeah, that's dope. Old school. I mean, it's in really good condition too. General Electric. It's got the little handle on there. But it's got uh, you know, it does battery power, but it's also got a plethora of other power, oh, yeah. just generic inputs and microphone and audio out. And I've talked to people who run like boutique stores and um they're telling me that this kind of stuff has become extremely difficult for them to find is people want something to be able to play a tape in. And like with this, you can hook it up into just like if you were hooking up an iPod, you know, you just put it in the stereo jack of this and it outputs to whatever you want in the tape. So that's what they told me. They're like, we're always looking for stuff like that to be able to. So, I mean, I grabbed that one. No, at two dollars no big deal <laughs> that's great that's a great deal one one of the observations i made on my my trips to japan is uh, as as much as oh everything's cheap and in the junk bin you find this and you find that tape players are what are expensive and anything at all that resembles a boombox maybe more than what i've seen oh, here in yes. europe or even america anything that resembles a a portable player gets uh, you know, nothing going to the junk pile. It's being restored. Uh, someone told me that because it was super hip in Tokyo to have one of these in your hip cafe, that you've got to have one on display or people were having them just even for display purposes. So, so even uh, for junk, they were still going for reasonably high prices. So I concur with what you've heard as well. So great pickup, man. Yeah. I mean, those things, like you're saying, that's there. Um, that was one thing I was hoping. See, when I came to my house here, uh, I was hoping that like before somebody got in here and started throwing out the old electronics, my granddad would keep just random stuff. And I, that's what I was looking for with some radios. I was like, I know he has some of those junk radios, <laughs> but they were all the ones that nobody really wants right now. Like are all black and they're not quite stylish. They don't have exactly everything you want. And they are later model. Definitely not the high end like boom box, mm. but they're kind of like a box. You know, it's like, so those, uh, I, I didn't get to, I was like, don't throw them out, but they still did the, the, when the cleaning, uh, crew came through, but yeah, I'm always looking for audio equipment and always looking at it. Now, a lot of times when you're looking at that stuff, it's in, you know, mud condition, mud mm -hmm. condition, somebody done blurbed mud all over it or have something. You tested that? So have you tested that unit that you've got? No, that's one thing. I have not tested that one yet. I, okay. That's like, I just got that a couple days ago. Mm. Have you ever and, replaced uh, a, a belt on any sort of cassette player? I have not done that yet, but okay. that will, I'm sure happen if it's, and, and uh, that's something I want to get, I need, I need to study more on VCR repair. Sounds silly, but sure. Because that's the number one needed. thing that goes wrong with if you've got a Walkman uh, that yeah. is not not working. That's the number one thing. It's just the rubber. It just de the degrades. And um, I've tried to do one, I think, and I must have just got a hard model. It's very tricky for me to do. Uh, I'm I'm I seem to be not good at this mechanical stuff because I also had the same issues. I've tried to now repair two Famicom disc systems. And you remember, that's the big red disc yeah. drive that went on the Famicom. Right. 
and you can get them even in Japan quite cheap, uh, not working, and 99% of the time, it's just the belt. But the belt, there's a, you not only have to redo the belt, but you need to then do an alignment on the reed head. And it was just, oh, yeah. I couldn't do it. I think a yeah. cassette player is just the belt and then you're good to mm-hmm. go. So maybe there's a belt in your future, possibly. Yeah, well, I've got, I've got a Sony like commercial VHS player that I, I used a lot. I had it in videos before. I even did a video about it. But anyway, it, uh, it, finally just stopped working and it started like spitting the tape out and spitting the tape out so there's something going on in there i tried to open it up and and i and i'd like do things like what you're talking about mess with these adjustments and i just kept making it worse and worse and worse and worse and now it's like sitting in a pile of the parts stuff right now so it definitely doesn't work but yeah maybe if i get the uh that would be the like high level thing to get fixed because that one's worth like 700 dollars. Mm. that vhs player it's commercial it's crazy um, one thing that I did try this week, and this is something that personally I've never done, and uh, I'm excited to get, get into this thing. It's like I was posting on Twitter some pictures of like the, the most disgusting circuit board oh, yeah. I pulled out of a BVM that was it, it had oozing fish oil from about 40 SMD caps on the actual uh circuit board. Now, I've got the circuit board here. And um, I'll show you some more close-ups of it in a minute because I have gone through and, and reworked a lot of it, and I'm in the process of repairing it. But th- this was absolutely shocking. So this BVM, it's a 1316. It's early 90s, and this one was from 1993. And um, it, I got it in my shop from a Patreon member, and um, it was the craziest thing because I got it, it. It had a couple issues. I was able to get it working again it worked fine for hours for me and the only thing i couldn't do is i couldn't get any other inputs to work on the monitor besides rgb and so i'm looking at this monitor and it's got this older card structure so anybody if you know about more modern sony bvms like the one you have and you Mm -hmm. look in the back you've got the cards that are external sure and that you can actually easily pull and you can easily read what's in there Mm. from the back well before that format was put together they used to have these internal so you have to remove the shell and then it would just have a stack of cards on the side and this was one of the cards it's the video card and so you'd have a bunch of these cards they'll have shielding on it normally and so there's there's a lot of them in these normally Mm. like every process is in these so there's Mm. i think like 10 cards in this one and i'm reading this like it's got like a le- like a, a map legend you know at the corner where it's like this is what you need to do each input and from what i can tell the only card i have is to do like sdi and rgb okay. so i'm thinking oh i can't the, the monitor can't do it because it doesn't have like the correct input card like you need to have support even though it has inputs on the back for it mm. like the, yeah, built the processing inputs, card you don't it, have it doesn't have the card for it it had like set up for sdi card and RGB. So that that's all I thought was wrong with it. Is it's just like, oh, okay, you just can't that's what I was telling the guy. I was like, you can only use it for RGB. Anyway, he scheduled to pick it up. It went and sat in a garage for two or three weeks, just waiting for him to pick it up. And he get he got here. He drove down here from three hours away. And when he arrives, I'm turning it on and it's not working. Right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, it was working perfectly. He's like, ah, don't worry. And he's real cool. It's like yeah, I know this happens. I mean, but I literally, 
And uh, I guess I should also mention this one was worked on before I got into it. So I thought like it had already had evidence that the power board deflection area was recapped prior done professionally too, not by me or by the owner, like the prior owner, whoever the studio was had done it. So um, after all that inspecting, I didn't think about these individual cards as much. I thought everything was working. So anyway, I take the shell off. We let it run for a little while and heat up and I start smelling the old familiar fishy smell and i'm like ah we've definitely got cap issues here because what was it wasn't the the monitor will still turn on and it would it just would not sink like the sink line would never sink no matter what i did would not sink um and so i was like look just leave it with me i'm sorry and we'll have to work on it again i mean i don't want you to he's like yeah it's like if you take it there's really nothing else you can do with it and he left it, and I pulled. I uh, finally started tracking down. I, I warmed the monitor back up, Lewis, in my shop, and the mm -hmm. damn thing works perfect again, just like it did. Like, it starts showing sink, and I'm like, man, this thing. But what's it still going smells at this stage. But that's what I did. So I let it go, yeah. and it starts smelling again. I have the shell off, and I'm I'm really sitting there. I'm like, <laughs> sniff it down the side like a bloodhound. <laughs> across the top of the bbm and then i get to this card and i'm like oh yeah and then like <laughs> i sniff next to it to the next card no no and so and i pulled that whole clunt i turn it off pull this section of cards out and um i remove the shielding off this and immediately it's just covered in the fried fish oil and um tons of it had been baked on here and I couldn't believe it, but what it, the way the card is structured, it sits in the top, and this is like uh, red, or red, blue, and green, or red, green, and blue. These mm -hmm. are the inputs for it, and then down here is sync, and then down here is like composite video, and uh, another video format that it does. Mm. So what had happened is like these had blown up, and then they'd blown up pretty much mostly from here down, and destroyed this part of the card so that's why none of the other inputs actually were working for like composite video and then the sync line is the bottom one and it was intermittently phasing in and out when it would heat up and so it would still sync and even though like all the caps were definitely bad up here at the rgb level they were still working i couldn't i mean like working and uh so this had like blown up this ooze all over this board and uh, it's if I if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll get to see I've already cleaned this and I will have a lot of like videos, a couple series on them coming through. But you can tell where the solder mask has just been completely disintegrated. Mm, I can see that already. And even even some of the spots have a black buildup that I wasn't able to scrub off. And so uh, I'm going through and I have if you notice in the middle, there is a point like right in this area where the capacitors were not damaged i've i've already replaced these these are all new the three SMDs. of them there four of them there yeah. yeah and then so i've got about 35 more to replace but before i put them in i'm going to use a uh, solder mask uh uv material and rebuild the layer on there so it'll be like almost brand new i went through and used my meter to make sure that like there were no um spots that were missing continuity or anything Mm. So the plan is, yeah, once these parts all come in, I still got to get the caps in the mail. Those were just the ones I happen to have in stock. And uh, so, yeah, I went through and I've, I've again documented all this, but it was a process of um, first I got in there and uh, 
Have you ever removed an e- or like messed with SMD caps? Not a lot. No, maybe once yeah. or twice I've ripped one off, but no. That that was honestly, I don't, that was my experience. I mean, I've probably done it ten times, just a couple, like mm. one or two, and I've never done this level of that and that much like ooze and yeah, this mess that was on this board. And I had, you know, I was like, there's not much risk of me damaging this further. I can either fix yeah, it if okay. it's possible or what's the worst thing that could happen. So I was like, I'm right going to try this legendary um, method to remove these SMD caps that I had uh, read about and seen other people do, but I was mm. always too scared to do, right? Because like normally you don't just, so that, here's the method. Mm, you me. take You take pliers mm-hmm. and you just pinch the top or you just pinch the capacitor as mm. smd cap you pinch right. it with the pliers and then you just start spinning hmm. your pliers as you pinch it so your cap starts spinning and it's just going to break the legs off the capacitor between the capacitor and where it's soldered to the pad sure and there's a there's a, a plastic spacer in between the capacitor and the pad so the leg just breaks right at that uh plastic level and, and it'll it break the leg, off. not pull up the solder pad. Yeah, and I did that with uh, this was this was the first time I did it, and again I did it with over forty capacitors, oh. and not a single pad was damaged. But I, I tell you, man, it was disgusting because, like, you know, a lot of those caps that looked really bad had already dried out, but some of them, when I when I would remove them, mm. it was just like this oh. yellow, just like <laughs> ooze, and it would get on my fingers, and I'm just like, oh, it's just, it was, it, you know, it, 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 like the kid, and you never just like you get something like that in your hands, and the kid, and you yeah. was always like, don't smell, don't smell them, don't smell them, <laughs> and you're like, oh, <laughs> so. Yeah, I got those caps out, and like I said, I mean, every single one of them was bad. Mm. Uh, but I was real excited to try that method because now I'm more confident that I can do that in the so future. So now that you, when you you kind of twist off the SMD, you're left with the two legs. Yes, and then the it's legs. Easy, then it's easy. The legs just are to still dink, dink. on the pad, mm. and you can use a solder wick then to clean the pad mm. if you want. Now, what I normally do is I would just go through and I would apply uh, a rosin based flux and it's a paste and i just put it on each one of the legs that's left and then i just take my iron and with fresh solder like heat up the spot and clean it right away like make sure i can just push the leg that's left off off Mm. and dispose of it like in my in my iron cleaner i get rid of the tip and then i just go back and clean off the pad then after that with fresh solder and then you know you could go take one step further and like desolder all the pads again and re-solder them mm-hmm. but after i mean i've already cleaned it i know this solder's good and, and fresh on the re-solder and that's what i wanted to try with those recapping a little bit was how easy is it to just take that smd cap put some of that flux paste on each one of the legs sit it on that pretend solder that's good right. and then just tap that with the iron and then it just literally fluxes and makes a beautiful joint hits right in place and it's Should minimal do. cleanup yeah and it, it looks great i mean the rebuild is going to look awesome on this thing looks good so, hopefully because you got 36 of them you said so hopefully yeah no i had to, yeah i i've replaced four so far but the other uh it, it has 43 caps in it total um 
so yeah it has a lot to go but right now i've got to wait for parts to show up mm-hmm. from mauser and i need the um uh yeah i need the parts to show up and then is there any problem it. getting the availability of those? Oh my parts? gosh, I couldn't believe it. The the caps, man. I thought they were coming back in stock, and then yeah, it was a pain. There was, I, I looked up these SMD caps, and there was literally, um, you you'd get a list of five caps available, and and it would be in stock, and and four out of the five had less than fifty in stock, fifty like, and I need. 20 of one of them for this job and i'm like holy crap there's only 50 left in stock and then there will be one like on this one there was all that and they did have one that had four thousand in stock but it's like triple the price a little bit too big and so they'll have that's that seems the way it is it's like you get some of these it, it they're just not not there if it's a common part it's more easily to get but some of the voltages and just like the the size See this this is an extremely low profile card mm. and it's got shielding on it and these are the actual see these these little um, brass pins I've got my finger on yep, these are see. all test points so there's a test pattern or you know you can run a test and test this board with like an oscilloscope oh get the signal plugging. straight off the the red the green yeah, the blue yeah and, and then you straight can get off like it. the red blue right off the board and oh, so but the interesting thing is the shielding goes to a point where it's literally just below that um, test point bolt. Okay. So it's very thin. So there's no way like you could really, it'd be very difficult to use not an SMD compa- mm. capacitor and, and replace it with something. There's not enough room for them to all fold over on top of each other. And it wouldn't is there look any, good. Uh, I mean, it sounds like from what your description, when the shielding goes back on, the shielding is extremely close to those brass pins uh, as the way it's yeah. going to sit. So, oh, I mean, no. See, there's actually cutouts. Oh, okay. Right. So the shielding has cutouts where it's got a cutout for the brass pin. And then if you notice, see, there's uh, potentiometers here. Mm. So there's also a cutout at those potentiometers. And that's how you adjust your voltage when you're reading so you would plug your oscilloscope into this card and then you'd get your your uh what ripple and mm-hmm. then you have a tolerance on there and it, you look in the manual and it says your ripple should look like this okay. and that way you could test and then you could say okay there's some either a problem with a component on there or we just need to make an adjustment on this potentiometer and spin it so our ripple is in that wave pattern and wavelength okay. So that's, but that's, the shielding is like, you know, you know how those shielders are where they have all that covered and then mm. they'll leave that section cut out. Sure. So, um, cause I was definitely looking at that first as opposed to ordering all the components. Um, uh, but I, I mean, it's the, the, uh, I, I love an opportunity like this again to get new experience on something yeah. because this is, you know, you can't really. If you get this to work and look amazing, like I'm going to try my best with this solder mask to make it look like as good as I possibly can. And, um, you know, it's just like one of those hills you get to climb. <laughs> and if it works, you just like, yes, <laughs> yeah. move on. So you were able CRT to get, level up. You were able to get um, sufficient stock out of Mausa to, to yes. complete this. You were able to do yes. it. Yes. Okay. Because it was, uh, thankfully, it was only three different capacitor um, mm. values. Oh, okay. And... So they once I found stock, I was able to get. I mean, I basically ordered double kit, 
because yeah. if I need it and I need a part like that, I don't want to be like, Oh, I need to get one more or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I did find it, but oh, good, again, good. I, it's not, how long does no, mouse it take to get it to you? It, it, it was better when I was living in Tennessee. Yeah, okay. Um, but most of the time it, I bet it's today is when we're recording. This is Thursday. If I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm really fortunate, it'll be here Monday. Okay. So, Hey, I'm Mr. Euro, so I'm standard, like, that sounds amazing. Yeah, wow. <laughs> that's just standard shipping. More likely, sometimes that can get delayed where it would take Thursday, another week. So okay. uh, that, you know, and there's really nowhere else that I can order that stuff. <laughs> Not many that I order that I trust. Yeah, uh, okay. But even, you know, then you go into with Mauser, I tried to look for other things. Like they do sell stuff. Um, they even sell... Uh, DE10 nanos hmm. like you can even buy them straight from them so you can go on there and just check if they have stock do um, they have any because I think I bought no, my DE10 from DigiKey yeah uh, they DigiKey had a, Swedish, had a great had a price on supplier out of Sweden and I was able to get oh, it man. I think it was still free I think for me DigiKey is free shipping over 50 euros which is good yeah. but also like not so good if I just want some caps uh, oh yeah, no. Right. See, it's just, I think it's the same thing probably with DigiKey or with uh, Mauser, but like you say, you never really um, you know order. And actually, I don't think they do that because I've ordered. I usually order about a hundred dollars worth of parts each time. Just like you say, I want to make sure that I'm ordering because it's eight dollars shipping, and you don't want to just keep like, oh, I ordered this kit and then I need to order three more parts and have to pay more shipping than for the parts. But um, yeah, so I was I went on there. I looked for. Um, the solder, the solder mask, the materials to remake this green stuff, the solder mask on there right now, mm-hmm. and Mauser was sold out of everything except the fifty-five gallon barrel of it. So it was like we have one fifty-five gallon. Yeah, boys, back it up beep, for four thousand dollars. I'm like, I do not. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! Like, paint your house in solder <laughs> mask. Some guy will. Some guy yeah, will. It'll be a work of art. Like, oh, so how did you how'd you get it in the end? The, the I went to Amazon for that, okay. and I was able to find a kit. So I found a good kit, and uh, so like things like I always try to find solder. I can find that still better on Amazon. Hmm. Uh, even like really, I mean, high quality. I don't buy that. I've tried to buy junk solder hmm. before, like from off the shelf at a hardware store, yeah. and it was just it had to go. It went straight to the trash. It was unusable. Yeah, fair enough. That but makes yeah, sense. that's okay. that's this week's escapades. I probably, you know, I'm going to try to document as much as possible since I've got a full cap kit mm. built on here. I'll have a full. That's cap great. Kit so, to do go you think? Um, so initially, some... if I un- understood, going back to your story of looking through the internal cards in this older BVM, the difficulty was is that it's covered by shielding, and you couldn't yeah. initially see. So you're going to have to. Do you think? I mean, you don't know yet, but do you suspect that you're going to have to remove a couple of other cards and that's that well, that's what I was wondering. But like the functionality, it, it's strange because some of those other cards will have no caps in them, or they'll have different yeah. caps in them, or it could be something that's not even a function of the monitor you're using. For example, three of the cards are have to do with um, SDI and and like digital SDI mm-hmm. or something like that. There's no re- need in rebuilding that. Um, yeah, but that's apparently. another concern, and that's a major concern when you have a monitor like this with six or seven of these in it, oh, and every single one of them, you know, could need rebuilding. And right. that's why 
some of these monitor restorations, that's where you're getting into ones that'll get up to like a thousand bucks if you wanted to re or more if you wanted to recap, you know. It's taking that's this, a long that's time. A lot that's of, 40 SMDs. Yeah, not just recapping it. It's mm. also basically you're cleaning, I mean, the level of fish trash. That took an hour of just like alcohol baths and scrubbing with ESD brushes mm. and then using a fiberglass pin tip to like scratch it off. And even at that point, you don't want to damage other things. I'm just surprised that the board was this hardy and like mm. high quality that it stayed together and it didn't dis disintegrate under um, all that stuff. And this goes back to when I believe hardware was like made to be durable you know like high-end hardware sure. back this in like the early mid 90s thing. i suspect also it's a little bit you know you also know a little bit about what you're doing here and there oh yeah and uh you know some experience of this some not to just <laughs> you know, whack it in there so some no doubt some finesse from the user here but certainly that hardware is more hardy from back in the day when you said those earlier BBMs or any of the, the pro Sony stuff. So I'm glad that one's working out and I hope that all it takes is that one. Um, because is the is that one of those ones where the shielding is like soldered in to... No, thankfully, goodness, oh, okay. no. Uh, yeah, that's the worst is when it's actually shielded. Or if you ever have to work on like an input board with all the inputs, they always have a shield on those and they're mm. soldered in. Those are the worst. Thankfully, it was just four screws, and it's double-sided shielding, so it was just pushed together like a sandwich with the circuit board in the middle. Okay, because that was uh, reminding me. Actually, I have a project sitting here that I've forgotten about, which is my uh, Sony VCR. It's a 600 or a 700, one of the final ones, and um, what it's got a problem with the power supply. And I think the problem has uh, come about because it was plugged into the same power board that we had the fairy lights on. So it was being turned on and off every day at the power socket. And I think that the PSU was just on its edge and it works sometimes, doesn't work other times. And I have uh, managed, I, I'm 90% sure it's just the power supply. Uh, I think that's what it is. I did a visual inspection of the caps. They seemed okay, but okay, maybe I should replace them. And I've got to admit, I'm not. Wasn't I was gonna open it up and and maybe another one of our sessions talk to you about that um, because I then I, I do have another Sony VCR. It's from a similar generation, but different PSU, different connector. Because I thought oh, I'll just take the power supply yeah, out of yeah. one and the next one, and that wasn't going to work so i like this vcr i really would like to keep it and uh i think there's probably another episode for you and i to yeah. go through this about what I think that sounds like a good is. idea because those the good thing is and this kind of goes with all these um electronics from this era a power problem is is generally solvable hmm. because and thankfully this is the case there's generally less parts in the power area that can go bad and um a lot of times there's so much heat built up in that area too that it's kind of easy for you to understand how components could wear out quickly mm. and it's a good place to check and generally speaking there are um every power supply you know it's going to have the area where obviously your ac from the wall is coming in mm. and then it, the power supply is converting it to usable clean power at the other end so generally speaking you can isolate your power supply power it energize it and then test your individual voltage lines 
And if you just want to repair a certain section, you can generally at that point find which one's bad, right? Mm. So this probably VCR only has like 5 or 12 volt DC that it's running off of internally maybe, just from so. a guess. I think so. So it's it might, And it might complex. have both, but you could probably look at it and find just from taking a multimeter and checking the voltages on the um, connection point and uh, finding the exact problem. But yeah, even if it's something you really want, it's probably not, like you say, we were talking about ordering parts. It's going to be economically probably viable to just replace all the caps on it and I think so. Uh, and I think that's it, that a, a power supply, uh, somewhat at my level, uh, you're, you're more advanced than me, but you know, it's something I can understand. I'm not sure I could pick through the electronics or the circuitry of what's happening inside of the VCR, unless it's a cap, unless oh, it's something yeah. really obvious that you could see VCRs that's blown are a different or, that, beast. or that component has, unless it's visually an issue. Uh, I'm not sure I could pick through the rest, but a power supply, as you say, there's power coming in, there's power going out. It says on the board, this line's 12, yeah. this is five, da, 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 da. There's a, so I'm confident as a somewhat, not almost beginner in this, that I'll be able to pick through. And it's, I want to keep this VCR. It's great. It's a really nice one. Um, it was the one that I was using day to day. So I currently can't even, I'm not even watching uh, tapes on it. So, uh, yeah, that's something for the future. I, I remember that we were talking about that and then I went on holiday. So that's yeah. now back on my list. Yeah, put that on there. and then. Uh, but let's, uh, let's shift gears now here 40 mm-hmm. minutes in. Let's start talking about some of these community, uh, if that's all right, some community let's sites it. here. Let's, uh, let's start. Um, we'll start over here with this one I mentioned in a video this week, and it's the new... Or it's been out, I guess, probably public for a little bit, but I know they wanted me to kind of give it a plug. It was the consolemods.org wiki page. And um, that is the front end page that has all kinds of information from consoles and retro systems. I don't see, I mean, they go all the way up to almost like the last generation. I don't see anything, obviously, for current generation stuff listed on here. You can see that they're kind of, I'm looking at the consolemods.org right now, and there's Xbox, and there's a few that grayed out, but you can see that um, they've laid the structure. And That's all right. If nothing else, hats off for that with a wiki, because um, while everyone can go like, oh, wiki and jump up and down and say that's tremendous, and, and I agree, uh, the um, important part, I think, about growing a wiki is one, having community members that are interested in, obviously people who want to post, right? Like, yes, this yeah. is what wikis need. But what wikis also need is maintainers, people that mm-hmm. structure that data who say, you know what, that thing, that's great. We're going to put it here. And it's also called gardening in the wiki world that they move it around so that you've got someone who's already interested in the structure is a very good thing. So it's looking nice I, so far. I love, this, I yeah. love the way you stru- you put that because that's almost like instinctively the first term that would come to my head anyway is, is like maintaining it through like a gardening perspective. Yeah. But anyway, if you go yeah to this front end page, it does look sharp. I like that the look of it. I like how again you know using the just real easy front end where you've got the picture of the console and then you can get into there. And like Lewis said, a lot of this stuff it's such a new structured setup that there's not actually information inside these yet because, mm. like you say, the best at the beginning phase. Like wikis will go through different phases. Right now, this is a phase where it needs, um, 
it needs more of the input and then it'll get to the gardening phase like everybody's got to go in and put plant the seeds right now kind of right Right. sure yeah and that might mean that at first it it appears a little bit crazy or you see some info that's not formatted correctly that's sort of as it'll mature someone's mm going to go back through and fix that up so yeah the front end here is console stuff and right in the middle between sega and nintendo which that's pretty cool to put it right in the middle there and uh is the crt wiki which i have a feeling that if people get really into this this could become something that um I mean, the console stuff is great, and that's really cool, but this would be something specifically uh, beneficial to us or anybody really interested in CRT stuff, hopefully down the road. Uh, And the idea here is just a simplistic approach of having as much information or whatever information on certain TVs, professional monitors, and VGA monitors, set up in the same sort of structure as the consoles Mm. and then there will be more stuff in here as it goes if people document things they have the um the good thing is is you can go into this wiki like you said all you have to do for this is go create an account and log in and then you can contribute right away by um, going in and adding things and then relying on the people who are like you said behind the scenes working on structure and things they'll go in and check that work and move it if they want to right i would say like keeps in the spot do your best to put it how you think like use your common sense okay i'm looking at a page i can see the structure they're going for do your best to do that but also don't get too caught up that i've got to format it correctly and do that oh yeah get the info in first i think that you can definite i mean there's no reason you can't take your own creative approach on it similarly to like what we do with our cathode ray blog and stuff that's what i told uh, Durf, when he was asking about, uh, we were talking about behind the scenes about the site. I said, "There's, I, I did the thing I was worried. I was like, don't go in and just link um, all my capacitor kits that I've like been working on, and I have linked in my Discord for like Patreon people. But I'm not like I, right now. Some of those cap kits, th- th- I call them the evolving like machine right now. They're not set in stone. A lot of them." A lot of them were designed two or three years ago by me, and I might take a different approach when I go walk to it now. So that's kind of a, like a lot of the ways I've been doing with some of these more modern restorations the last year, I'd say, mm. is like my intent is to then go in and to deeper document them um, like I did with the 1344Q on the blog site. And then in that format, I have like what I think today is the best format for a cap kit listed there. And the best helpful way to order one and and get and do this if you want to or restore it if you want to. So I was like, please, you know, if you want to use things like that and we can link that in there, I'm completely fine with that. But I don't want my like raw cap kit from something, again, I worked on three years ago that I did publish so that if other people want to go in and say, hey, what caps did I need to do? Then they're doing that. But they're also responsible adults who know <laughs> at that point, you know, some about electric electronics and working on these. Things. I would think so. I would imagine that if you were doing a monitor repair, first of all, you're got enough balls yeah. to go and do that. But yeah, use the common sense. Look at the cap kit that you've that you've written. Then look at what's on the board you know, think to yourself, does this make sense? I wouldn't just order the caps straight up that are, are listed there. I would say you'd want to use that, double check, think about it to yourself, and mm-hmm. then go ahead and, and make your best choice about what fits there. 
Yeah, and that's so that so like you were saying, gardening. I'm have to go back and garden my old old stuff, mm. so that because I will. I like I would love to have. Um, you go in here and you have a question for somebody about a certain monitor and they could go find an, you know, an article that I did or that somebody else did or anybody, you know, about that monitor and some deep detailed repair or restoration on it. And then, uh, you have that linked right in there. That'd be great. But again, I, and then, and, and, you know, I want to just make sure that anything that I put on that's out there, um, has the right label on it. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause there's like, again, there's an experimental level on some stuff and then there's a, Hey, this is much more tested, proven, uh, working situation repair kind of thing on a CRT. I think this um, nicely also gets us into, I think it bears talking about for a while because this uh, wiki that's come out, it hasn't got a lot yet, but it's, it's getting somewhere, but that it's not the only information source that's out there. And I think that if you have the right philosophy and the right mindset, that one place doesn't have to be the only repository. And you, now I'm also not saying that all the info should be scattered around all the corners of the internet. But when I look at something like, uh, for example, and I don't want to leave out here, the CRT or CRTdatabase.com, uh, which is Andy King, I believe. Is that yes. right? Andy King, yeah. very experienced uh, CRT technician, great guy, a lot of great um, uh, Twitter. He has a great Twitter account if you don't already follow him, Andy King. And he has his own uh, wiki style database that he's been maintaining for a number of years. And it's, I also wouldn't want to take away from that either because it's a tremendous resource. And I think there may be, it might be easy for people to say like, well, 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 but there's this one and there's that one and, and how do I know what to do? Um, I, I think it's, uh, I, I think people can maintain their own sources of information because it might suit them. Like you can see with Andy, Andy is not only making a, an amazing wiki for the public, but it's really his documentation of his work and his labor of love as well. And I, I don't think it would make sense for Andy to necessarily push all that into some other site. Just as for us, for example, we've made the cathode raid blog because we're just writing about our days, writing about our projects uh, as they come and go, almost in a stream of conscious style. And I do see that that means now we've just mentioned three different yeah. sources of information on the internet. I agree that that does lead to a certain disjointness, um, but that is also natural. And mm -hmm. I think that I, I don't know if I'm drawing too much of a wrong comparison here, but it's almost like the free market will decide where, what becomes the thing. Like some people can jump up and down and say, this is my one and look over here and something like that. Each site can have its own purpose, its own place. There may be a bit of crossover. There may be stuff in different places. Um, and, you know, maybe over time, everyone decides, hey, this is the the main place, but that doesn't mean something else can't exist. So uh, I just wanted to sort of maintain that perspective before we jump up and down and say, like, this is the one place for all the info. But what's your thoughts, Steve? Yeah, well, yes, exactly. So it's it's like... Um there, so that's a great point where you've got different people contributing in different ways, yet it's it's unique. Uh, for example, the stuff that I work on is different than the stuff that you work on. It's different than stuff that even Andy works on. Now, we're all kind of working on the same style of stuff. And uh, so there is an overlap where we are covering the same genre, but 
there's also room there because again i may never look at some of the crts in my lifetime i never they may never come to my shop that andy works on a lot and would know a lot about and um, i do like the way that he has structured his site too mm-hmm. that um, you could go in there and find a brand find a, a specifics on a bvm so i think there's room for in the wiki's standpoint the wiki's trying to be a central place where you could go and find the information so like if it's you know if andy wants to be part of that and then linked you know again it's just like linking his content on a certain bvm that would be perfect for some of these things that he's published and established and um you know so that you go from here that if you're like looking at it from this level or if you again come across any other website and you like it also there's no point that you know you can look at it follow it um that's the cool thing again about uh though the wiki is more of i feel like all informational and then i feel like the other um i know especially for us it's an avenue for us to not only be informational but kind of express things mm. uh opinionated as well opinionated news, opinions as right. well and um so there needs to be a space uh i feel like there needs to be a space for all this stuff on the internet and people that are passionate about it are going to be the best ones doing it and there's no like there that's not too much of like one genre I mean, there's not, there's room enough. There's, there's definitely enough room for people here to be this passionate about CRTs to have three different places. Hmm. And I think the beauty of the wiki though, is maybe that will be the most centralized place where instead of saying, Hey, go scroll. I mean, our like our blog site. So yeah, go through, scroll through our blog site and find this post from this date. Uh, well, what if you could just go in here, click on the monitor and then click on an article about the monitor. And that's the article, right? And it's still taking you to the same spot. Same thing with Andy's information, if he has that. Or if you want to then go in, you could definitely do with this with Andy's site. Go in there and get way deeper and go in to um, look at specific monitors just based on the branding or his work on them, too. So uh, it's hard It's hard to put one uh, exact thing on this because the other problem is there's not a universal issue with CRT repair. They can all need something different. So it's Mm. no problem documenting more and more and more um, about them. I guess it's it's, it's only uh, an issue if someone has information and then isn't sure where to place it. Yeah. Um, if you're a person just consuming that information, you're looking up info, which I dare say is going to be the majority of people, then it's very normal. Just as any researcher has multiple sites of information where they're going to look something up. Because um, if anything, maybe the there being one Wikipedia has made maybe some mindset that says, well, there must be one wiki. That is the one source of the information. Eh, doesn't have to be so much. Um, you know, where people should add their information, I, I think you just have to look around at the resources that are available, the community that exists around that particular site, and just make your own judgment call. Do I want to put my effort into that particular site is it something that is going to be okay because at the end of the day andy's crt database i'll dare say is going to be just fine even if it was him adding you know awesome he's already got so much info there just from his own stuff it's cool Um, exactly yeah and it's just like i mean that's what i consider to our thing so we have um you know two individual sites there like the the again crt database by andy 
he's contributing to that mostly, I'm sure. So I don't know that he lets other people contribute at all. I'm not sure. I've not. We need to ask him to come on here and talk to us about it. We need to talk but to he, Andy. Andy, he, let's do it. Um, yeah, he uh, he's so he's got his database, and then we've got our place. But I think that the wiki. Like is a good place for people. The, the, I think the big issue before was the fact that people had invested a lot trying to find these links and information, and they deposited it in a Reddit, a subreddit, mm. and then the subreddit got cracked down on, or like the links got lost, or something. I don't know. I, I but that didn't work, and that um, I, I I know that that and other social media platforms are not a good reliable place to store information that we will need to come back to at some point. None of them are good for that, right? Th I that's agree, not absolutely. a reliable place. Sure. I think that it's got to be um, some kind of website, and it's going to need to... Uh, so if you, do, if you are used to going and like just making social media posts about your repairs, mm -hmm. uh, the wiki is a place that you could go and contribute and have it be more long-term, permanent, especially right now when it's um, in an infancy and needs information right later on people may come in and like you said garden that information and you might you know click on a link and it might have five or six things in there sure. or a certain monitor so um i think that like you say if you're sitting there and you're looking for a place to to put this that it will last this is a good spot um mm -hmm. outside of relying on doing that or like putting facebook posts about repairs i can never find yeah anything on facebook that i need never like it's impossible it feels like that's the i think that's the good point here that yo know, is there what's going on which which wiki do i put it in which blog do i put in you know what as long as you put it in somewhere uh that's yeah anywhere that's not social media is a huge huge win for our community already discord things get lost uh exactly. random selection of google docs that are being linked i mean google docs are all there but the problem is they don't get collated into one index or something like that um don't put them yet yeah, facebook twitter is cool i'm not bagging on someone who's you know making twitter posts that's also very cool and very informative um but that's also then again, that gets you thinking about that differentiation you said between news and information source. Yeah, the wiki is an information source where the, the Twitter is news, entertainment, maybe an opinion or something like that. So I think don't get too caught up on where you put it. Just put it somewhere that looks reasonable for now that's not social media. Yeah, and Twitter can be, I mean, well, any social media platform is a fragile place mm. that immediately could... Um, I mean, we're here working on YouTube, which thankfully feels like it's a, a more um, stable environment if you stick within, you know, parameters of what we're doing. Of course, it's tech stuff. You know, we're not controversial, really. So it's <laughs> sure, mean, we're not gonna outside of our, yeah, outside of our stories of like sticking bad videos in the woods and, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, we're, we're so we're like. In a place, but also, I mean, the same thing. This is um, this is Bob speaking in my ear right now. It's like, d don't don't get comfortable even in that. Be prepared that anything could happen, and you could lose this one single platform. And if that's the case, or even if something happens and certain posts just get deleted, lost, who knows what? You know, the s system scrubs them. It happens, and. 
uh, it's not, so it's not good to be like, I posted that. So now I can go back in like two years when I need to work on this again and look at it, or I can share it. And like you say, posting is fine, but it's, it's good to, it's much more, uh, that's a personal experience thing, much better to have a centralized place to at least long-term have data. To touch on what you said about YouTube and that, um, you know, YouTube seems reasonable and okay, there's the risk of censorship and deplatforming and all that, but we're not probably too much of a risk of that. But nevertheless, that highlights that it's there. I would say something like YouTube, um, like what, what you also originally wanted for our Cathode Ray blog was, yeah, you make the YouTube video, but then you write the article as well about that video. And that is twofold. That not only gives you a place to write long form because, okay, it's still a YouTube video in 10 minutes, 20 minutes. So you can write some more solid info there. But that means that becomes the index of that info because what one of the biggest issues with YouTube is finding it, the algorithm, how does it bubble up to the top? It's one thing to put it there, but how do people find this information in the great sea of the YouTube. Well, I and I don't, I don't want to go too much on a limb, but I would dare say that if there's a great video on repairing a, a BVM, a something, whatever, maybe the wiki can link to that. Yeah. And so we're still coming in through the wiki, but then it shoves us off to, to this YouTube. Oh, great, as a resource, as any Wikipedia would do. So they can exist together i think the those oh things. absolutely and i think that's what you're going to end up seeing on this wiki i know it is for some of this stuff because I mean, i've gone back and i've like i've made videos like the best about the, what's so good about a sony pvm 2030 and they're meant to be entry-level videos of like somebody who's just like sees a crt and is thinking about this specific one what do they need to know about it and it's like 15 minute dive or deep dive 20 minute deep dive into it and I'm sure that those linked videos will end up being there. And um, the blog site, it, this is all, we're all trying to expand and uh, creatively add more value. And some of it is self-serving too, because sure. then we can come back to that data ourselves if we need it, or we can refer it out like in this situation where somebody needs the information and then it's easy a place to go find it as opposed to like, you know, having some like Rolodex of 400 YouTube videos going, yeah, it's in here somewhere. Mm -hmm. And even I'm like, I don't know where it is. Sometimes I'm like trying to find a, a link to a video that I want to refer to in a video that I'm making as a note. And it, I'm like, where is that video? I'm trying to like type in what I know the monitors involved. And it's like, I can't find it anywhere. So it's not. The algorithm's just pushing something else. This is kind of like we're doing our own thing outside of whatever the algorithm is. This is not algorithm kind of related. We're trying to do our own thing, our own growth pattern. If the algorithm you, you wants need to, to play I think, with us, it's I think good. you do. Either you play the game of the algorithm and you're at its whim and you become the hotshot YouTuber and all of that, but you are uh, its slave. You are the slave to the algorithm if you want to build that. If you're lucky enough that something just happens and it virally builds exactly how you want, that's great. I would dare say a lot of the time you end up as a slave to what the, the algorithm does and people like yourself, people like Bob, uh, people who are similarly minded community members, they're just trying to get good information out there, uh, not to the schedule, not to the right video length. They just want to get it out. And yeah, you need to do whatever you can to not be at the mercy of the algorithm 
No, you know, I mean, and and the think about the roller coaster ride that is, where instead of, um, instead of I I go back, I do look at the statistics of my channel, of course, and it's literally, as far as like subscriber growth, it is a literal triangle like this, huh. and it's it's not it's not like extreme growth unless I get like a shot out from somebody, I can see like one day where it'll go crazy, hmm. but most of the time it's consistent, and then like. So for like year two is like I get an average of like 300 subscribers a month this year. It's like, or year three that much. And then like year four this year, it's like I'm getting 400 a month, but it's not really big jumps or big swings. And at the same time, if you have these crazy viral videos that get you huge numbers and then you're sitting there at this top point, well, it's pretty hard. And we all know this. It's pretty hard to go, well, how, how do I even maintain that as a step? Because usually it's going to go right back down and then you're going to feel like mess, like really like low and depressed when you go from getting like a hundred subscribers in a day because you had a viral video and you think that's your path and you know, you didn't, you just have one video that hit the algorithm. Okay. And then YouTube decides to change it and says, Hey, look, man, that video was cool, but now it's age restricted or something. You know, you can't, you can't get, you're, you're at, you're at the mercy of whatever that's going to happen. And then uh, Bob and I, Bob and I touched on this in, a, in the episode that we talked about. At the end of the day, at the way I see it, YouTube is show business. It's show business. It's entertainment industry. And if you've ever worked in the entertainment industry, it is a brutal, brutal industry. You can work hard. You can do all the correct things. You can how you want to do it. And if anything, like I think running a regular business is a little bit nicer. There's no guarantees in real business either. Don't get me wrong. But at least if I got a regular business, I can sort of work things out and here's my product. I'm going to growth and a bit of marketing and all that. But show business is this special, special thing that you can work hard. You can have all the talent and you can just miss the special sauce in the middle or the zang or the bazazz that you just don't have. And maybe you don't know what that is or maybe you know exactly what that is, but it just isn't you. And, and show business is this brutal, unforgiving field. And that's the kind of the difficulty that we've got, that the, the main thing that we want to do, which is put content out on YouTube because we like giving content. We like, well, we like entertaining. Sure, there's that too. <laughs> yeah. But it's still a show business, which is also not fair. But we're also trying to deal with this information that is timeless and hopefully evergreen as well. So there's these weird balances <laughs> that need to exist there. Yeah, it's a difficult, it's a difficult task. And it's like, um, but um, personally, I can tell the best YouTubers are the ones that just consistently come out and just mm -hmm. work on self improvement, work on taking care of what they can. And like you watch them over a long period of time, and you understand why somebody who's been on this platform, and gone through every up and down pretty much over a 10 year you know, 15 year pay, like a lot of times people will look at these upper echelon 300,000 plus subscriber channels and the vast majority of them have been, um, highly invested into sure. like I'm talking and they were, they were taking risks when nobody thought, everybody thought they were extremely stupid for being on YouTube. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so they, they started and went through this a long time ago. And I just realized that if you have, you know, if you had a caught lightning in a bottle, are you sure you're ready 
you know, are you sure you're ready to do that? What's your next step even if that happens? Because mm. I think that if you're not ready for that, then it just like you caught it, you'll lose it. And show business easily can be something, even like you said, you could be somebody who hits it right, gets all the success and doesn't plan right from that point on, just living this high life and all of a sudden it comes crashing down and you can never get back to where you were. Sure. I mean, that's, and I don't want to take I don't want to take away story. from YouTubers. I don't want to take away from their effort. Like it almost might sound like those fucking guys. They're slaves to the algorithm. No, oh, no, no, no. That'll no. come back and get me like in the this. future, no doubt. It sounds like I'm a bit of bitter. <laughs> it's not that. It's more the reason I, I point out that it's show business is that it is um, the number of people that make it successful is so small. So small compared to the number of people that actually try. And I, I, it was just that realism, I guess, that you're wading mm -hmm. in the waters. It's because, again, if I'm running a business, I can almost, yeah, okay. It's the, you might then say, well, the number of businesses that fail or don't fail is, is high as well. I just think it's even more in showbiz um, yeah. than that. And, and people need to, to, to set that expectation correctly about what you're getting in for because I have nothing but respect for those YouTubers. They have grinded away. They yeah. have done it for years and worked so hard for that. Um, yeah. yeah. M market, I mean, it's it, market understanding. All this stuff is very important. And, uh, and yeah, the people who have been able to pull this off long-term should be commended. And um, I, I also think, though, that, like... It, there's sometimes there's in YouTube and show business, there are elements and this has even become obvious in other more stable businesses, but there are elements out of your control that you may be the best thing on earth. Right. Right. And it's just like, it's just not your time yet, or it's mm -hmm. something else is holding it back and it has nothing to do with you. So that's a portion of this whole idea of even, um, are you still passionate about doing all this? If it still does there, you got to have the right, roots grounded in this whole platform kind of idea if you want to be in it for the long term and instead of just like we were talking about being worried about what the next big thing kind of is it's um it's a it's a grind but there's going to be lulls where you could be putting out your best content and not seeing like you know this growth rate that you're in your head hoping for but sure. At the same time, you come out some of your like lowest of lows and then do something that just goes off the radar. You don't really expect. So, um, yeah, I don't I, I never like to put this. This the cool thing about the best part about YouTube is it's open to just about anybody. And I don't think that it's not my right to tell anybody that they shouldn't um, just like me. I, I would I would love them to have the opportunity to come on here, show whatever they've got. And if there's an audience out there for it, the audience will come to it. And the thing about YouTube is, is it's, that's just what it takes. It's just like if you're going into a niche, keep grinding into that niche and find the people and try to grow in there and grow the community. And that's what we're really doing here. Oh, I love it, Steve. Maybe we should, uh, maybe it's a nice place to, to button it off for today. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's hour a good and 10. One. We're an hour and 10 already. It's good. Yeah. So. All right. So what do we got? What do you got? Uh, what do you got coming up for the next until uh, the next well, time we talk? Well, let's see. Uh, we need to talk to. I got a couple people that I've been chatting with. We need to get them on the show. So hopefully we'll have a guest. Um, I don't know if it'll be the next one. Maybe the one after that. We'll see uh, how our schedules all work out. So 
I'll I'll be working on trying to uh, book a couple of uh, other business people that we've been talking about here, and uh, yeah, the booking is the booking Steve because more people know Steve, so I let Steve <laughs> do that one. More people know who I'm he is. Like, well, I'm like people will uh, ask me like, hey, how do I fix this CRT? And I'm like, okay, here's how you do it. And then they finally get a fix and they're all happy. And I'm like, hey, by the way, why don't you just come up? <laughs> well, <laughs> while you're happy and you're talking to me. I've got you here. It's the salesman. It's the salesman. Say no right now, right? <laughs> That's the salesman in you. You yeah. know it. There, you got to ask him. Do they want to make a sale? We talked yeah. about this hey, last week. So that's what I got to do ready? now. I got to go back yeah. and follow up. <laughs> so that's the next. Yeah, that's the follow up, baby. So nice yeah, one, I'll be doing right. some salesman stuff. I've got some people actually coming in to drop off some new monitors. Uh, I've got the Ikigamis here too. I posted on those on Twitter. Mm. I've got a. Um, HD Ikigami in the cool. shop, which I haven't even tried out yet. But I did notice that somebody's already been inside it because it has a fan slot on the back, mm. you know, like an open for a, a fan. Oh. Okay, yeah. Like, and it, which is normal, but there's a Noctua, new Noctua fan in it. So I'm like, uh. somebody's already gone in there and installed a Noctua fan. And uh, so the guy is is a re- repeat customer and i know he doesn't know anything about it so it'll be interesting to open it up and see what someone else has already done in there Sounds like a good <laughs> video coming up on that one i like it yeah yeah and then i'll finish up this bvm Hell we'll yeah. see next good week on. we'll see if it works I'll, we'll talk about that all right all good all right thank you everyone for listening and next thanks, week everybody. thanks thanks guys bye-bye uh oh stop <laughs>